1: Good afternoon, this is Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs, adding another feather to his already outstanding cap. Educator Samuel Isaiah, the first Malaysian teacher to be a top 10 finalist of the Global Teacher Prize, was recently awarded the TRT World Citizen Educator Award for the year 2020, recognised for his efforts to improve the quality of education in Malaysia. What was this all about? So I'm going to catch up with Teacher Sam right now. He's also the Programme Director of Pomimpin GSL at the moment. i uh, want to find out some updates and also get his views on what education reforms he would like to see under the Anwar Ibrahim administration. Welcome, Sam. How are you today?
0: I'm doing good. Thank you, Julian. Always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you, you so much
1: for having me. Likewise. Lovely to see you and to speak to you again. So my goodness, la, I mean, it's just <laughs> another award. Congratulations. I'm so happy for you. Uh, really thank awesome. And and another, another first, isn't it? You're the first Malaysian to be awarded this uh, mm-hmm. TRT World Citizen Educator Award. I mean, can you tell me a little bit about this?
0: So, yeah, like I was telling you earlier, it came as a surprise. I think, uh, of course, I'm uh, grateful and I'm also very honoured to be receiving this award. I think in all, uh, I think it shows that the world is actually looking at teachers more seriously this time, that teachers are actually important figures within society to bring forth change, whatever change that we want to talk about. I think as a society, teachers are influential and very important individuals. So I think with all the awards, uh, especially this most recent one, I think... I hope to like open a pathway for more teachers to be recognized, especially in Malaysia. We see that they have a lot of teachers doing fantastic work. And as you know, recently, we did the Malaysia Teacher Prize as well. So all in all, I think it goes towards the narrative of building that teachers are important. Teachers should be leading the way. Teachers are individuals who are smart, who will be able to actually translate policies on the ground to ensure that whatever policies that we have gets the students and yeah so I, I really think that uh, uh, it's, it's not just an opportunity for me but teachers in general.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that you've always been been promoting, right? I mean, empower the teachers and then, you know, everything else will sort of fall into place, isn't it? The students will yes. be empowered. Education will improve. You know, it's yeah. all uh, it's all a trickle down effect, you know, but empower teachers first and foremost. Yeah. 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 yeah I was just going to say that um, uh-huh. uh, this this recognition. I mean, so what actually comes with this particular uh, this particular prize? So it's 2020. So I'm guess this guessing this is because of the pandemic. So it's uh, been uh, delayed in that sense.
0: Yes, so it was delayed. Uh, they, they were supposed to do it last year, according to them. Uh, but it's, it's 2020, so they gave it for 2020 and 2021. And uh, besides uh, besides the Educator Award, there's the Communicator Award. There's also the Lifetime Achievement Award. Mm. Uh, so where a few influential and the Youth Award as well. So for 2021, for example, we had the Youth Award go to someone named Melati, Malati Waisen from uh, Indonesia in Bali, mm. where she does this huge movement of reducing plastic bags in Bali. Amazing, amazing work that she's doing. So I think all in all, uh, the award comes with with of course the recognition, but then again the networks that I'm building. I think the uh, with with all the other uh, recognition that I've been receiving. Most importantly is the people that I meet, and to be able to go into that space and meet with other change makers as well. I think it's extremely motivating for me, but also opens opportunities to see how we can, um, uh, you know, adapt different practices from other countries, different best practices from different individuals in Malaysia, in and in the work that I'm doing right now.
1: Mm-hmm. And I just want our listeners to know, you know, that you also received Anugerah Balia Diraja. You also received the Anugra Harapan Merdeka this year. You know, congratulations! You're doing really, really well. Really happy for you. And of course, as you said, the important thing is the Networks, you know the connections and all the lessons that you can learn from so many different people from across the world, right?
0: Yeah, I'm also uh, also talking about the failures. I think oh, I yeah. to, we <laughs> just spoke about the failures. I think uh, myself and this this group of uh, uh, individuals from Australia they they call themselves Muslims around the world. MATW, um, amazing work that they are doing, based in Australia. So we talked about the different types of failures, the challenges that we face as well, and sometimes the idea of having a community beyond Malaysia that understands that. This work that we are doing, although extremely important, is also extremely challenging as well. And to be able to learn from their failures as well is extremely beneficial. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also like to say that uh, uh, with Pemimpin right now, the team that we are building, Cheryl and myself, I think it's a fantastic team. And uh, they are able to actually, both of us actually direct the vision of what the organization wants to achieve and how we want to impact education in Malaysia. But they are always on for it and they are able to deliver uh, extensively above and beyond what we actually require them to do so a huge shout out to my team as well
1: Mm -hmm. and that was actually my next question you know what's keeping you busy at Pamimpin GSR I mean of course you are the program director uh, together with Cheryl Fernando Um, talk, talk to me a little bit about what you guys have been working on I do want to ask specifically about the Malaysia Teacher Prize you know the inaugural one that we did you know briefly mention when we caught up last yeah
0: so as of this year, I think uh, what we are working on is uh, the uh, our initiative with Orang Asli Schools in the state of Perak. So we have a two-year leadership program with them. It has been fantastic. I'm here right now meeting the teachers again. It's always, always great to, to see. Um, two weeks, sorry, three weeks ago, we actually visited some of the schools and to see how they are more inclusive in their lessons. So one of the key areas of our training is to ensure that school leaders are more inclusive of the identity of our Asli communities, of their culture, of their languages, of their voices. And to see these teachers actually start practicing it in their school is just amazing to see. Uh, in addition to that, we are also working on the Malaysia Teacher Prize. I think uh, just two months ago, we announced the first winner, mm. uh, Anutra from, uh, from Tenom, Sabah. She is fantastic. I think the idea of the whole Malaysia Teacher Prize is to unearth teachers and it's also to elevate the teaching profession to make the teaching profession a profession of choice again uh, we also see that it's also an opportunity for us to say that you know without quality educators the quality of the our education system suffers and we have quality educators so we need to put them out there to lead the way to show i think that ripple effect that you mentioned earlier on before that we have quality individuals uh, a bit about to i think she runs she runs this uh Tenum innovation center all around and to see that one chemistry teacher could eventually impact thousands of students, hundreds of community members, hundreds of other teachers as well is extremely, it's it's amazing. It's above and beyond what, she, what we could ever imagine. And uh, uh, to realise that it all came from the Malaysia Teacher Prize for us to actually find out about her and support her not just with professional development but also with the price money I think it's something that I always envisioned because I think a lot of people don't put their money where their mouth is it's Mm -hmm. like you know we support teachers we want to motivate them but why aren't you giving them the opportunities why are not you giving them uh, the autonomy to do what they want and we see that with the power of that autonomy when we give quality teachers the power to do good things i think they will never disappoint because yeah teachers right they they do everything from the heart they're extremely passionate about what they're doing
1: yeah and i love the fact that you know this is something that you know you know we i guess the teaching profession is not so much looked down upon but you know is not given uh, the due recognition that it deserves La, I, as far as i'm concerned i feel that way and you know it's lovely that you have this award uh, and these this prizes so that you know people like me we get to know all these different things that are happening around around malaysia uh, you know alone uh, we get to see different practices, we get to see, you know, gaps that we can perhaps also assist with, right, in terms of maybe it's companies listening and they can uh, assist uh, with monetary help or whatever, right? There's so many different avenues that can be pursued from this.
0: Yes, of course. And I think uh, in, in in a lot of instances, I've seen that uh, the voice of teachers, uh, their expertise, their viewpoints, it's not given... Uh, uh, due recognition. For example, if we had like a a panel or forum talking about educational policies, we don't don't see teacher voices being represented in in these forums. When we see people actually design frameworks or design policies for teachers to implement where are the teacher voices? Teachers who are actually teachers on the ground, struggling and trying their best, nobody's actually listening to them. And we are we are seeing a slight change towards this trend. I think with the Malaysian Teacher Prize as well, we are advocating for, for the idea that teachers are professionals, teachers should be leading policy changes in Malaysia. And we're really grateful to see that this trend is starting to change. So we hope that, I really, really hope, and perhaps uh, Juliet, next time we should get more teachers, teachers who are actually doing teaching right now to be here to talk about policies that we need to recommend to the Ministry of Education or something like that.
1: You are very right. And and I will be bugging you La, for some context as well. But yes, no, there is something... <laughs> That is something that really I also feel so strongly about because, you know, when you meet teachers, then they have so much to tell you. But again, you know, sometimes they feel a little bit nervous to speak, I suppose, you know, because they're part of mm-hmm. the... yeah. But we'll, we'll, we'll definitely work on that, Sam. We should. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so very busy with Pemibin GSL. Um, and uh, we just need to go for a quick break, Sam. But when we come back, you know, we are looking, I mean, at, at the moment as we're speaking, we don't have an education minister yet, but we are going to have one very soon. So I just want to talk right. to you a little bit uh, about, uh, you know, maybe what education reforms you'd like to see under this new administration under Anwar Ibrahim. Let's have that conversation after this quick break. I'm speaking today to Samuel Isaiah. He's the Program Director of Pamimpin GSL. Uh, He is a multi-award winning uh, educator as well. Uh, And we're just catching up with him. And um, we'll have more after this quick break. Keep it right here on Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture. I'm Julia Jacobs. On the line with me today is Samuel Isaiah, the Programme Director of Permimpin GSL. He was also the first Malaysian teacher to be a top 10 finalist of the Global Teacher Prize. And just, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, just last week, he was awarded the TRT World Citizen, Educa- World Citizen Educator Award for the year 2020, recognised for all of his efforts to improve the quality of education in Malaysia. So before the break, Sam, we were catching up you know, with about the work that you're doing through Permimpin GSL, especially with uh, regard to the Malaysia Teacher Prize, you know, giving Malaysian teachers a voice and a platform to share all the different things that they're working on. Uh, now I, I just want to talk a little bit about, you know, everyone's waiting for cabinet lineup um, as we speak, as we recorded this, recording this now. is not been announced yet, but I think, you know, even back in 2018 when there was a change in government, we saw so many different calls for education reform in Malaysia, right? I dare say it was a key reform agenda. Um, Now that we have this new sort of never-before-seen administration you know, potentially a new minister. We're not sure. Um, what I suppose I want to know are some of your hopes or a wish list. You know, in terms of um, education reforms that you'd like to see in our public school system.
0: I think uh, first of all, um, whatever in whatever policy recommendations or policies that's designed. We need political will. Uh, without political will, uh, nothing is going to happen. And I hope that the new minister that comes in, the new education minister that comes in, actually recognises that there are issues, there are fundamental issues that we need to address to actually improve the quality of education in Malaysia. And by quality of education, I mean public schools uh, specifically. Uh, you may know as well, I think the attraction towards public schools have been on the decline. Yeah. We have seen... We have seen. Uh, uh, Plenty of private schools coming about, and in general, I think the, there's a trust deficit towards public schools in Malaysia. So I think in order to address this, I think number one, what the Ministry of Education should should really really focus on is the quality of teachers, and by quality of teachers is teacher professional development. From what I know, I think the budget allocation for teacher ed- teacher professional development in Malaysia is actually. Very low. And uh, a significant amount of that budget actually goes to pre-service teachers. But what about teachers in service? I think that is extremely important. Mm -hmm. We saw that during the pandemic, when things went online, things went digital, a lot of teachers were not prepared. And then we were in a rush to get these teachers to prepare themselves. And then we realized that why aren't these teachers prepared Prepared the 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 idea of online conferencing of using Google and all that has been around for a long time, but they have not been given continuous professional development. And like I mentioned earlier on, if we improve the quality of our teachers. The quality of our education system will improve as well, and I also think that with professional development, it also encourages teachers to come up with contextualized solutions. Um, the beauty of Malaysia is every school, every every uh, uh, you know. For example, I worked a uh, long time with indigenous schools, Orang Asli schools. Yeah. They are different. And they they need different uh, uh, solutions. They need different types of interventions. So we should not be heavily reliant on top-down or prescriptive solutions that's given to these schools. So I think that if we are serious about improving the quality of education in Malaysia, we should invest in teacher professional development, and then we can allow these teachers to come up with contextualized solutions that suit them. And that is where that is when it comes. Uh, it comes the idea of autonomy comes in. I think a lot of people have been asking about autonomy for teachers and autonomy of teachers, but if we ask for autonomy of teachers but the teachers don't have the quality to, to utilise those autonomy what happens to them so I think it needs to go hand in hand the quality by the quality of educators by improving teacher professional development and also providing them the, with the autonomy to come up with contextualised solutions for the needs of their students mm-hmm. that's number one
1: okay and in terms of like elevating the teaching profession I mean that's pretty much what you think need. I mean needs to be at the, the central focus perhaps
0: mm-hmm. yes of course I think with elevating the teaching profession, I think one of the one of the things that the Ministry of Education can also focus on is be more transparent, um, uh, communicate better, like communicate who these teachers are, where they come from, uh, what are their qualifications. Um, uh, also, when, when they are actually delivering policies or introducing policies, I think the most recent one was the abolishment of the UPSR exam. And at that point, a lot of parents were bewildered. like, when did this happen? Mm. But according to the Ministry of Education and I know as well that the policy has already been in place or in motion for the past 10 years but because they don't communicate these ideas well a lot of people feel that they've been left in the dark and people are worried because education I think people say it uh, so many times during the pandemic that you know uh, it takes a village to raise a child It's, it's, it's really really true because everyone everyone is invested in education for good or for bad. Like everybody's an expert in education because they are invested in it, right? So I think the issue of education needs to improve their communication strategies and be more transparent about whatever that they are doing. Uh, But with regards to uh, elevating the teaching profession, I think in a lot of ways, Teachers should also be encouraged to try things for their students. I think one of the best things that could have happened to me is I was given the autonomy to try things, to actually experiment with things and actually work things out together with my students and with the community that I was working in. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think another one that for me, I, just, you know, going on from something that you said, education, our education system should be inclusive, right? Not exclusive. You know, we should yep. focus on, I mean, syllabus, structure, methods that are based on delivering the highest quality for, you know, the most number of people. Would you agree with that?
0: I would say so, yes, but I would also think for marginalized communities, I think inclusiveness is also about involving the community in the decision making. Mm. Uh, uh, Like I said, when when I spoke about transparency, I think it's from the ministry to the public in general. But I think most schools need to be more transparent as well. The Parent Teacher Association, for example, it should not be just like a one-way meeting. Why don't we invite parents into the classroom? Why don't we invite them into the interventions that we are designing in the classroom as well? So parents and community members need to be very involved in all of this process. Um, But I also think that uh, 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 when when we talk about, uh, uh, you know, improving teacher status or improving teacher quality, a lot of teachers complain about teacher workload Um, and uh, the idea that there's a lot of uh, paperwork, there's a lot of this, a lot of that. I think the ministry should also focus on evaluating uh, this aspect as well and basically just fundamentally focus on getting teachers back to what they are trained to do, which is teaching.
1: I mean, I, I've shared with you before that my mother was a, my late mother was also a teacher and she just hated ah. it, you know, doing that log book, doing that record Same. book, you know, just like all her time wasted on that. She just loved teaching. She loved communicating and engaging with the students. But all of this paperwork just took so much of her time away. And, um, you know, during the pandemic, I was reading, I mean, we saw, what, 35 weeks of closures, right, due to the pandemic. some one of the longest in the world. And um, teachers, of course, their, their workload, um, their paperwork I was reading uh, increased so much because they had to show proof of you know how their online teaching methods were working or not working and things like that you know so taking the focus away from you know the actual teaching isn't it
0: Yes, because there's a lack of trust. Um, mm. There's a lack of trust towards the capability of teachers. And then when there's a lack of trust, then there's no investment in improving the quality of teachers. So it's all interlinked. Yeah. It's like we don't trust the teachers, but we don't want to invest in teachers to improve their quality. And then we are giving them additional work to assess it. And then they can't focus on teaching again. And then teaching becomes low quality. So it's like a, a, like a never-ending cycle. <laughs> that's, 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 that's what I see. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Okay. And I mean, yeah, what, what are some of your other, uh, any other wish lists or any other reforms that you would love to see uh, Implemented. I think
0: I think you you mentioned about uh, the school closures and all that. I think yeah. and I think one of the one of the key areas that we need to address is learning poverty. Um, uh, so uh, because of learning deprivation, school closures, school deprivation, and all of that, data current data actually shows about seventy percent of ten year olds in low and middle income countries cannot pass a basic literacy test. Mm -hmm. So this is a huge problem. And I'm speaking especially for rural and underprivileged schools in Malaysia. And uh, the data also shows that uh, when it comes to learning poverty, we are actually behind countries like uh, uh, Thailand, like Vietnam, very close to the likes of Indonesia. Of course, we can't compare ourselves to Singapore. But I think this is a real problem. And we need to focus on the very basics again. Is there a literacy and numeracy problem? within our public schools in Malaysia. If there is, we need to come up with significant efforts to address this right now, especially for Orang Asli schools, Juliet. I think when the school closed for for about a year, basically there was just no teaching and learning at, at all. So the repercussions of it, I think even though we don't see it right now, we are bound to see very, very, very soon. And this data by by the World Bank about learning poverty, I think, is something that we really need to take seriously about. We should not be ignorant of this. We should make sure that oh yes, and acknowledge that we have problems. And together as a society, the Ministry of Education should just come out and say like, let's do this together. Let's not work in isolation anymore. Mm. Uh, uh, Non-profit organizations, everybody needs to just come together and just try to work on this together. So I think like what we are doing in Permimpian as well, what we are trying to do is basically trying to support the policies of the Ministry of Education in Malaysia. And if there is a role for us, there's a more significant role for us to play, not just us, but other organizations within the education space as well. I hope that the Ministry of Education is more open to public-private partnerships more than ever before. Uh, I, I think it should not be seen as competition, but as like we need each other, you need to help out the children of Malaysia. So let's do this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and definitely have an education-first sort of culture, right? Like a really, you know, promote healthy growth, creative thinking, you know, knowledge sharing. And like you said, like, don't work in isolation. Really, yes. really, yes. yeah, promote, um, yeah. yeah. Um, sorry sorry Sam did I interrupt you was there anything else you wanted to No no no
0: I was just agreeing with what you were saying
1: Oh okay 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 yes <laughs> Um any other things that you want to to bring up anything else on that wish list I think things?
0: yeah I I've, I've got an extensive <laughs> one really let's talk for another hour or so but I think uh, uh one of the one of the uh, the silver linings of the pandemic is is, is digitalizing or technology in education. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh, a lot we we have we have we have advanced so much in that one year of school closures. Every teacher knows how to use. Zoom, knows how to use Canva, knows how to use Google Classroom and all that. But we are not capitalizing on that. Whatever that we have learned in that period, now we're going back to pre-pandemic days. And I'm like, why? We already started off really well in digitalizing our education because once we digitalize education, education becomes so much more accessible, so much cheaper for everyone. Everybody can actually get whatever they are doing. So I think we need to capitalize on this. And if we are going to start with digitalizing education for primary schools, for example, you should start right now because everybody already has skill sets. Parents also know what to do. Let's just capitalize on this. So I think these are significant changes that perhaps uh, one of the most significant changes that the new Ministry of Education can focus on. The others, the other uh, policy recommendations that I gave earlier on was probably towards like the issues that we are facing. But I also think that the pandemic has brought, like, like I said, a silver lining that everybody's into technology right now and digitalizing education perhaps Two to three years ago, we saw it as something that's almost impossible. But right now, I think it's very much doable.
1: Hmm. Okay, okay. And I guess, you know, do you also see that, um, you know, education... Will be prioritized uh, under this or do you hope that education will be prioritized uh, in this new uh, in this new administration because you know there's so many different things coming about, right? Of course, there's there's politics, but let's not go there, but there's also economic issues, isn't it? Um uh, you know, bread and butter issues that uh, people are focusing on. What you know, what message would you like to give in terms of why education, you know is is something that uh, underlies all of those different issues as well, the the importance of you know giving our kids a good education system?
0: I think it's interlinked. Everything is interlinked, uh, especially when it comes to education. When we have uh, a a good education system when we are ensuring that every child in Malaysia has access to quality of education, uh, quality education, I think it also affects the economy in that sense. We would see that in the future. Then after that, we have brighter minds staying. We have more individuals. I think it's all about the future generation, Juliet. Um, and, and and for me, when we speak about public schools, like I think one of the first points that I, I pointed out right now that public schools are just not, public schools are just not desirable to to most middle-income families right now. There are options to send them to private to private schools. And I think uh, when you and I were growing up, I think you went to a public school as well, Julie? I
1: did, I did, yeah, definitely.
0: So the public school was the best place for national unity, right? Yes. Everybody was there. But right now we see there's a worrying trend that a lot of public schools are actually dominated by lower-income families alone. So we don't see diversity of income, we don't see diversity of social class, we don't see diversity of race and religion anymore. So we need to ensure that public schools in Malaysia are attractive for everybody for all walks of life. And I think as as foundation, schools are the foundations of every society in the world. So if we are making sure that our schools is actually of high quality, it will definitely impact more than just the economic uh, uh, situation of the country, but everything
1: else. Definitely. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, yes, and we are seeing that, right? I mean, the, and I guess, you know, the, the call is, you know, how do we make our public school system uh, the choice for all parents, right? Regardless of, um, um, you know, income, of, you know, race, religion, all of that, isn't it? That is That should be top of the, you know, top of the list, uh, in terms of exactly.
0: the... Mm. Exactly. That's why I said just not teacher professional development. We need to make sure that our teachers are top quality. I think uh, if you look at the ideals of like the Global Teacher Prize or the TRT Award, we are showing... Uh, Year in year out, that we have teachers of teachers of high quality in Malaysia, and we need to keep on harping on that idea that every teacher in Malaysia, and ensure that every teacher in Malaysia is of high quality. And on top of that, just give them the autonomy to actually implement things that suit their communities as well. So I think that's one of the key areas that we need to focus on when we talk about because if a school is actually it has teachers of not high quality, it actually defines now the idea is that public school teachers are just not good enough. Yeah. So. We just need, we need to change that narrative very very quickly.
1: Mm-hmm. And what about things? I don't know if this is something you want to comment on. Um, but you know things like cluster school systems. You know, no segregation based on result, free education, all of that. I mean, would you say those are important reforms as well?
0: I think they are definitely very very important reforms. I think we need to encourage that. Uh, again, like I said, every school in Malaysia needs to be of high quality, no matter if it's a cluster school, no matter if it's a rural indigenous school somewhere. Every school in Malaysia. So that, Julie, that. For wherever we want to send our children to, wherever they are, they have access to high quality education. So that's extremely important.
1: Yeah. And like you said, you know, when, I mean, okay, I'm older than you, but, you know, back in our day, quote unquote, Uh, (laughs) that was the given, isn't it? There was no other option.
0: There was not. There was no option. Yeah. Uh, I think some, some some would actually come come to an extent to say that we should not have any private schools anymore. Yeah. Uh, blah blah blah, like how it was in the olden days. But I I perhaps think that it's of course there. There must be a freedom of choice in allowing uh, parents and communities to choose what kind of education they want for their children. But then again. Uh, the civil, the the public schools in Malaysia need. We need to back up. We need to seriously back up, and a lot of our systems that are in place, our practices that are in place. I think if we look at the basics, Juliet, mm. uh, uh, like with the schools and teachers that I'm working with right now, a lot of the things that we focus on is the basics. How do, do teachers know what? is a quality class what does a quality classroom look like yeah. what is a good what what does a quality or what does a good classroom look like what does a good teaching and learning process actually looks like the teachers actually know this so we need to be exposing them to this and i think with, with friends of how the education ecosystem is actually evolving year in year out it was different last year last year we we're talking about learning loss This year we're talking about learning poverty Two years ago we we're talking about different types of technology. Now we're talking about different type of technology already. Teachers need to keep up. And the only way for us to do that is to ensure that we, we invest in them. We invest in their professional development. So I really, really hope that that, that the Ministry of Education sees this.
1: Okay. All right. Um Sam, any, any other things that you want to bring up before uh, yeah, before I let you go.
0: I think last but not least, of course, we need to involve teachers in policymaking. I think yeah. it's, it's about time. And I hope that the new Ministry of Education, um, once, once it's formed, once we have a Minister of Education, please ensure that you involve teachers in your policymaking. I think once, uh, I think involvement, uh, it's often, you know, like we say, you know, we're going to give out some surveys, we're going to ask them, we're going to do some town, hall, town halls and all that. But I think what we need is active Involvement. Give the best teachers in Malaysia the opportunity to sit at the table with decision makers, with policy makers, and design things together. Get their voices represented because a lot of the policies in Malaysia, although it is well designed, is not well embraced. Mm. Uh, Teachers take ownership of these policies. So, and that is why, for example, if you look at if, if we could just go on to schools right now and ask majority of teachers of what they thought about the abolishment of EPSRs and, and the form formally exam, a lot of them would disagree with it although the findings actually back up that policy teachers disagree with General, generally a lot of teachers disagree with it because they don't take ownership of the policy they often feel like they are just implementers like somebody else somewhere you know uh, sitting on a, on a fancy chair behind a fancy desk deciding something and we have to implement it and a few years down the road somebody else is going to in, uh, implement something all over again yeah. so that should not happen again we should inv- Involve teachers in the policymaking. And I hope the new Ministry of Education takes this
1: very seriously as well. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Sam. And I guess, you know, one thing I wanted to say, and this is something I remember from, you know, our previous chats. I mean, everything that you learned, you know, from your experiences in SK Runjang, you know, with your Orang Asli kids, um, you know, it it shaped the way you, you know, approach education. And you were inspired to to create what you call the pedagogy of love, isn't it? Um, And I love that. I always love that. Uh, Maybe you can just quickly remind us what that, you know, what that thinking is in terms of uh, you know how you approach education?
0: Well, I called it uh, the pedagogy of the heart. is It's from the work of uh, Paulo Freire. So I think fundamentally, uh, the work of a teacher is extremely special. Uh, it, it requires two, in my opinion, significant elements. Number one is high skills, extremely high skills. So that's why I've been talking about ensuring teachers are very well equipped to deliver very mm. good lessons in the classroom. So teachers need high, high skills to de- deliver good lessons. That's number one. But the second part of it, I think, that complements the high skills is doing it from the from the heart. Um, I think uh, teachers who are extremely passionate, teachers who actually believe in the cause of wanting to educate every child in Malaysia, to ensure that every child in Malaysia gets access to quality education. And if you incorporate these two elements together, you get a very competent, holistic teacher that's willing to go out there and not just be a teacher, but be a change maker and ensure that every child that this teacher is actually teaching is successful. So I think these two elements are extremely, extremely important. So if you're looking at that, perhaps uh, what I've learned is that showing compassion, showing empathy, uh, bringing back the love for learning, making the idea of learning meaningful and relevant to my kids was something that I thought that I learned from them. And I hope more teachers will actually take this into consideration and ensure that every lesson that they actually produce in the classroom is meaningful for their child. Is something that their child, their children, their students actually enjoy doing.
1: Definitely. Couldn't have said it better, Sam. Thank you so much uh, for joining me today. Um, very quickly, any plan? Uh, what plans in the pipeline for uh for you and for Pamimpin GSL?
0: So I think uh, next year is gonna be another big year for us. So we're gonna have the new Malaysia Teacher Prize, Malaysia Teacher Prize 2023. We're looking forward to that. Uh, we are also going down the route, the the route of uh, educational technology. So we are actually coming up with a teacher professional development app. The idea is to reach more teachers quickly to make sure that teachers get access to professional development quickly and cheap. Uh, so these are the two new areas that we are working on next year. We are also looking to expand uh, our Orang Asli School Leadership Program to other states. So we are currently looking forward to going to the state of pahang So yeah, uh, a lot of stabilizing and also expanding into new areas uh, because we realize that we need to get to more teachers quickly. Uh, we need to impact more schools in Malaysia Quickly. so that's
1: the aim for next day okay sounds excellent and we'll definitely catch up and find out how that's going uh, thank you so much for speaking with me today Sam
0: thank you so much Juliet
1: I was speaking to Samuel Isaiah Program Director for Pemimpin GSL if you'd like to find out more about the work that the group does just head to their website that's Uh, if you miss any part of our conversation today always you can always download the podcast at bfm.my slash learn or you can find it on the BFM app this has been Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture BFM 89.9